0: Welcome to the Open Government Podcast. I'm Richard Pietro.
1: And I'm Samir Vasta. Each episode of the Open Government Podcast, we bring you an interview with someone working on open government and citizen engagement in their community.
0: And today we have Lori Stewart, founder of the Awesome Foundation of Calgary. She was previously responsible for building the global eBay platform. And she was part of the campaign team that got Nahee and then she elected back in 2010. Lori is also very much involved with the open government and the open data movements, particularly at the micro level. So, Lori, can you tell us how you see open government and open data directly affecting our future lives?
2: Yeah, guys, um, it, it can affect us in so many ways. But I have to say that before we start any conversation around open government and open data, it should start with a bottle of open wine. (laughs)
0: Well, we'll make sure to have that for our next guests.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The next one. That's good. Um, You know, our our lives are greatly affected by data. And I think we're not even sure. Right. We're not even we're not even aware of possible. And for me, that means, you know, a, a much easier life. I know all of us get frustrated when we're stuck in traffic we're stopped at a red light and there's no one else around, especially at four o'clock in the morning when you're rushing to the airport to grab that 6 a.m. flight, you know, and you're at a red light for no reason. But with sensor data, with open data and things around us, things could move more more fluidly. You know, the world could operate in better levels of efficiency. Um, We could ease our frustration. There's all kinds of things, right? That could improve safety, you know, Apple and Google are moving towards autonomous cars. That's all in sensor data. But if we apply those same that same thinking and those same um, ideas to our own lives, it'd be pretty exciting. Now, when we talk about the municipal level, or as you wanted to say at the micro level, um, look at all the inefficiencies. I was just walking my, my dogs before we came on this call, and I was looking down the back alleys. We've got a series of, you know, roads and, and alleys in, in Calgary here. Um... But I saw all these rows of garbage cans. And I thought, and then there's the recycle bins. So many of them are empty. But, you know, the truck doesn't know they're empty. Their job is to actually pick up every garbage bin and dump it into the, the truck and move on to the next one. Well, imagine if, you know, the garbage truck didn't actually pick up your bin until it was full. Look at the efficiencies. They wouldn't have to stop at every, you know, 12 feet. Um, you know, they could pick up the ones that were full. So... These are the types of things at a municipal level that can really, really start to to make the city run more efficiently, um, save costs, and you know make our lives a little bit easier.
1: So, Laurie, you've been talking about this dream, and you've got I love the kind of the picture you've painted of of a world where what's possible. Here's my question to you. What do we need to do to make that dream come true? What conditions do we need to set now so that that dream actually becomes realized? Well,
2: that's, that's a really good question because we do this in other parts of our lives. So, you know, as you, as you noted, I come from a world of, of technology, and certainly at eBay back in the early days, we were, you know, we, were going, we were doing the impossible. We were dreaming big and solving problems that people either hadn't thought of or couldn't believe, uh, didn't believe that could be solved the whole world, especially the online world, has gone to this concept, this design concept called drive desired behaviors, right? So if we start to think about outcomes rather than inputs, um, we start to, to, to get people down that idea of, of uh, more efficiency, you know, solving, solving bigger problems with more more, I don't want to say perfect data, but certainly much more accurate data. So we're collecting all kinds of information right now. And we know that, you know, the concept of open data doesn't mean free data. It means accessible data, right? So how do we begin to to make data much more accessible? And that starts with, you know, uh, more up-to-date public policies, certainly at the municipal, uh, provincial, and federal levels of government. It means... Thinking about, you know, spending on sensor technology, investing in that for the future and getting out of that old paradigms we have about how things should work. You know, and I'm going to I'm going to dream again and I'm going to talk about another scenario because we're so risk averse in our in our society today. But could you imagine if we didn't have cars and, and public infrastructure today with today's thinking? And someone came up with this idea that, you know, well, we're gonna we're gonna build vehicles and we're gonna drive them around, you know, and everyone's gonna have at least one and possibly two. And, you know, it's all gonna work just fine. Well, all those people who are out there who can who mitigate risk, you know, and there's a lot of them, uh, lawyers especially. <laughs> Um, that would never. We would never approve a system like that, right? So, how do we get beyond that thinking about what can't be done, and let's think about, you know, again, what, what what can? How do we how do we take a system that's as concrete as today's existing infrastructure, but apply that to the sensor world? So, you know, it's commonly referred to as the Internet of Things, um, you know, platforms like that where we can. Uh, you know, our lives have um, that connectivity um, that we have with the offline world right now.
1: So this this idea that you have of like fixing large-scale systems through th- different kinds of systems thinking, I love that idea. But the problem that I've noticed, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that right now we're not either training or uh, enabling people to do those kinds of things effectively. So if we're collecting all this data, what do we do with the gap of not having enough people or the expertise or even the experience to be able to do those kinds of things how do we address that
2: so i think the problem we have is that we expect that with open open government open data that we expect the government to do something about it and i don't feel that's the case as i said earlier open open data doesn't mean free data it means accessible data right so with with you know advanced and advanced thinking and newer public policy, we need to actually make this open for you know the public to do something with it. We've had some great things happen here in in Calgary um, with some some data libraries that were available, but there was this com- company a spin out company from the University of Calgary um, that started mapping heat um, over over houses. You know, and um they would just you know fly around the grid of the city and use heat seeking um, um, technology, and they could start to map which houses in the city were wasting more you know energy because of poorly insulated um, uh, roofs and such so you know, it's that type of thing that yeah, we need to actually open this up to the public to be creative about it. I don't want the government being creative with what we do. I don't want them focused on those types of things. Um, the creativity is out in the marketplace, and the market will always determine you know what what the winner is. There's, if there's not a market for something they're doing, it won't fly. <laughs> You're speaking my language,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, I, I, I like the idea that you said. You know creativity is out in the marketplace, so if we are moving to a model where the market can start creating public services or at least enabling these kinds of public services, what is the job of government then? What is the future of government in this kind of model?
2: Well, government should always be there to you know manage and monitor the things that we need to operate as you know the, the, the type of society that we want, you know especially at the municipal level, they're really only there to to manage um, you know fire and safety. Um, policing, um, other municipal things like you know parks and roads and you know nine one one and things like that that actually keep um, you know our cities safe and and accept accessible for everyone. Um, but that doesn't mean it in the strictest sense. You know, I have this great idea, and I hope someone listening will actually build this because I'm just too too busy with other things. But you know, when we think about school zones, um. I frequently forget that I'm actually in a school zone. What if we had, you know, that data reflected into your car in some way, right? So that we, we, we're we all aware of the speed limit of the zone we're actually in. Um, that increases safety for everybody. And um, it, it starts to put the onus on the government to make the information, you know, valid and available so that we can take those ideas you know, and turn them into something that actually makes our city better. It, you know, there's this whole concept of, of trust. And the government, I think, by releasing or, or making those data libraries open, it increases that level of trust. And when we have more trust and more transparency in everything we do from both the public and, and the municipality side, we create a better lo- um, and more level playing field. You now the, uh, the greatest example of that is you know with the Europe in the CCTV you know you don't need as many policemen around um, when people know that their actions are are being viewed um, even if they're in you know a back alley that, that that you know what they do isn't secret anymore so I think that with all data the more we can elevate it you know to to the public domain um, the more that greater level of, of trust and appreciation we'll have, you know, throughout both the market and um, and on the policy side.
0: Well, obviously, you know, you have some great insights into this conversation, and but unfortunately, we only have a couple minutes left, but we'd be very much remiss if we didn't ask you about your work with the Awesome Foundation of Calgary. So if you could just take a few moments, tell us how the Awesome Foundation works and maybe some of the projects that have come out of it.
2: So the Awesome Foundation is actually a phenomenal thing, and it's really micro-philanthropy, all right? As I call it, it's this the soil for the grassroots of innovative thinking. So when you're talking about micro-conversation, it's like the, the smallest micro, um, but it's really giving money, no strings attached – to people with great ideas. And I will tell you that I did get the idea to start the Calgary chapter from the Toronto chapter, and we actually got started about a month after they did. And um, it's been phenomenal, because the biggest thing you can ever do for anyone in their life is to believe in them. So the fact that the Awesome Foundation, the premise is you um, you get 10 people on board that each put $100 of their own money in each month, So you collect a little pool of $1,000 cash um, to give to, you know, one one group or one person with a great idea. Now, the biggest thing you can do is say, I believe in you. And that's really what that money does. It's not enough to really do much. But it says, you know, you can take this. I trust you with my money. um, Go do something really interesting with it. And hopefully that will inspire you to do even bigger and better things in the
0: future. Well, once again, this is a, a wonderful undertaking, and there are a number of chapters around Canada, as well as international. So thank you so much, Lori, for sharing us your work and these stories, and please don't stop uh, doing what you're doing in Calgary.
2: Well, thank you so much, guys. It's really fun talking about the future and where we can take it. You know, we're sitting on the cusp of a, the next kind of big wave of technology shift, And I think, you know, open data and and the accessibility of it is really, you know, going to be a huge part of where we take the world into the future.
1: That was Laurie Stewart from Calgary, Alberta, on the Open Government Podcast. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can reach Laurie on Twitter at Laurie19Stewart. And as always, you can send us a question on our hashtag, OGTPod. Thanks to Cheryl's Crush for the podcast music. In the meantime, I'm Richard Pietro. And I'm Samir Vasta. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we'll be back soon.